and good morning. Cheers to you. Okay, so I'm going to do a little bit of a cop out and do another Business Central top 10. So let's jump into it. Um, quick update. Uh, last video, I added QR codes to the slides as I went through the video and I got some positive feedback saying that was intriguing, clever, interesting, occasionally helpful. Um, so I'm just gonna continue doing it. I'm refining my process a little bit to make it easier for me because it's like seven extra steps to try and put that on a slide. But <clears throat> I previously was using a third-party site called Custom QR Code Generator. It was great, highly customizable QR codes, but I had to do everyone manually. And if it was really long URL, the QR code had tons of data squished in there. So it started to get a little complex. So on a related note, I looked into a URL short shortener. And so I looked at several, it was kind of, it's not a pretty scene. A lot of them are not maintained or in rough shape or poorly designed. The most popular one and the one I went with that actually worked is your your URLs. So yourls.org, your own URL shortener. And um, while it has some quirks, um, it is apparently pretty widely supported on web hosting services. So I just have a generic hosting with a, you know, $8 a month plan. And through the Softaculous installer in my cPanel, I was able to just click, yeah, add your URL, uh, your URLs to my website. And I set up a separate domain. It was literally one click and seamless and five minutes later is up and running. I personally do not recommend trying to install this yourself from scratch using the manual instructions and creating your own MySQL database. That was pretty involved. I, I went that route before I realized it was a Softaculous installer and I couldn't get it to work. It was pretty messy. So the Softaculous installer is definitely the way to go if you can do it on a hosted website. Worked great. And what's also cool is there are dozens of plugins for your URLs, your LS, and one of those is a QR code generator. So every time I create a short link, I'm a, it automatically creates a QR code for me that I can then paste in these slides when I do this. So anyway, Dynamics Kong Live, number one on my list. Dynamics Kong Live 2022 was last week, week before. It's last week, I think. It's all a blur. Uh, September 14th, 16th in San Antonio, Texas. It was incredible. I loved it. Uh, it just... I thought it was fantastic. Hats off to Molly and Liz and Denise and the rest of the Dynamics user group crew who planned it, uh, implemented it, made it happen. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and so here's some photos. Um, we had a great time. The presenters, the, I think the guests and uh, attendees had a great time. The Business Central track had great sessions, great attendance. I think we had a majority of users in the room. I'm going to guess 60 plus percent were end users. And so I thought we had a great session, great interaction, and it was a lot of fun. And I got to meet Cecile over on the far left there. That was great to finally meet her. She is a Dynamics GP veteran, longtime Dynamics GP presenter and speaker at conferences. And... 
Thank you uh, to Shannon Mullins. We are pulling her over to the dark side of Business Central, so we hope. And uh, she is learning about Business Central, so that's great. So we had a fantastic time. It was a wonderful event, a lot of fun. Uh, I think it was exhausting. I came home just completely wiped out. But And then 1B on my list, I'm kind of cheating a little bit, DynamicsCon Live 2023 next year is May 22nd through 25th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, Scottsdale Plaza Resort. And if you go to live.dynamicscon.com, you can already register for this event. And if you're interested in being a sponsor, if you're a partner, if you're an ISV and you want to have a booth or a table or, or sponsor something at the event, Feel free to reach out to the um, Dynamics user group, Dynamics Con Live team, and uh, Liz Helen will definitely help you um, understand the sponsorship packages. So those are already being sold. I believe they were pretty much sold out last for this year, and so next year they're probably going to go quickly. It is going to be a larger event. I don't know the total attendance size, but I know on the Business Central track, Instead of just having one room, we will now have two rooms. So uh, double the content on the Business Central side. This will be an end user focused event. So very excited, very stoked, looking forward to next year already. So come join us in Scottsdale with two T's, Arizona. Okay, what do we have next? Well, of course, next is Directions EMEA 2022 coming up November 8th through 11th in Hamburg, Hamburg, Germany. Um, I took German in high school, I think. I learned basically nothing, die Tafel ist schmutzig, um, you know, labor case. That's what I learned with my 1970s German textbook. Um, yeah, I'm a lost cause when it comes to German, so... I won't be able to speak much German, but I am excited to go to Germany for the first time. And thank you to Christian for submitting this session and inviting me to be a co-presenter with him. We had discussed uh, the topic of agile development, agile project management based on a, I think it was a blog post or a live stream I did discussing my feeble attempt at trying to understand and kind of comprehend how I could use Agile. So he really pushed me to co-present with him and do this session. And I I, I wasn't sure because I, I had 90% questions about Agile and less than 10% like any understanding of what it was. But as I found with other sessions presenting a topic I wasn't really comfortable with, I'm learning a ton in the process. So as soon as it was announced that our session was selected for Directions EMEA, he and I got in touch. We started planning. He came out with an outline presentation. He's already got like 10 or 15 plus slides. And I've been reading a book. We've had a, a a Zoom call already. I was in a coffee shop. I'm doing a Zoom call with Germany. We're talking about agile development. So I'm very excited. Um, already pulled out uh, several books off my Kindle, learning a lot. And I'm realizing I was shocked to discover that I have been using some agile practices on my internal software development. So mind blown already. Thank you, Christian, for that opportunity. Okay, moving on uh, to B. Again, another cheat, my other session. So these were three other sessions that I submitted to Directions EMEA 
they got hundreds of submissions. So they literally had to call, you know, 75% of their submissions or more probably. So these are other ones I submitted. Um, I'm happy to turn these into presentations and do live stream on them. One was cybersecurity measures all dynamics partners should be taking. Uh, that's a long list. Number two is anyone can view and troubleshoot Business Central AL code, including application or functional consultants who are not coders. I think there is value in uh, being able to look at code, know where to find it, and just browse it. You don't have to be a coder. So I'm happy to do a session on that on my own. And then another one was based off of a conversation I had with an existing Dynamics GP customer who had all of these misconceptions about a SaaS platform, be it Business Central or something else. And so I came up with a list of items with my colleague, Tanya Henderson, misconceptions about Business Central SaaS ERP. So I would be happy to do that. Okay, so let me know if you have any interest, any interest in those other sessions. BC Container Helper, if you follow me on Twitter, you will have seen my automated tweets that are being posted by Power Automate, where I have a script that detects whenever the BC Container Helper version changes. So every morning, I have a script, that PowerShell script on my server that checks for the version of BC Container Helper. If it is new, it automatically installs the latest version and it kicks off a Power Automate flow to tweet this information for you, fellow Business Central peoples. And September 2nd, version 4.0 was released. And September 12th, the latest version 4.02 has been released. And I have a short URL of stevendo.link slash bcch, BC Container Helper, that points to the release notes. So stay current with BC Container Helper, update it because Freddie is making constant fixes and you can check out the release notes. Next up is number four. The Business Central job queue is quite an interesting piece of work. Um, I and my developer are learning a lot about it, some of its flaws, weaknesses, and we are learning some good design patterns and how to use it. And I hope to work with um, Henrik Helgeson on sharing a design pattern that he uses, that he shared with us, that we are now implementing to improve job queue reliability. And along with that, one housekeeping item that we I learned about through a discussion um, on Twitter here, I'm sure I'll say his name incorrectly, Dzoka, Dzoka, yes, DZMI on Twitter, um, about job queue log entry records will really pile up, especially if a job is running frequently. And so you need a housekeeping item to clear those out. So Jeremy has the great idea that if you create a job queue, you build a function call that clears out your job queue log entries on a regular basis. So uh, my developer and I are working on implementing that. And personally, based on my experience with um, application logs, I found that 365 days, one year, is generally sufficient for 99% of my customers. I have, I, you know, used to do, say, 60 or 120 days, and I found that customers needed something longer occasionally. I went to half a year, and I finally said, fine, let's make it one year. 
And so far, that's been more than adequate. So we're implementing a one-year job queue log cleanup, but I'm pushing my develop. I think we should expose that as a configuration parameter on our setup page. So it'll default to 365, and if a customer wants to reduce that or increase that, they can configure that in our application setup page. What do we have next? Number five, field lengths. So Business Central 2022 Wave 2, you can now see field links in the Page Inspector. And so this is what the Page Inspection, Page Inspection, Page Inspector looks like. And so in the future, you will be able to see field links um, along with that field information. I think I grabbed this uh, on an older version. So I don't think I've seen what that looks like on the newer version yet, but that is a nice feature that is coming out. And number six, AL Auto Cleanup. This is interesting. So uh, Valdemar uh, posted this on Twitter, and he has a blog post at his blog, navinsights.net, short URL and QR code above. Um, and he talks about how you can configure VS Code extensions to automatically run certain commands on save. So when you save, it will automatically kick off some VS Code extension commands to clean up, reformat, you know, do whatever they need to do to help improve the housekeeping of your code. So I thought that was pretty clever. Um, not something I've ever had, so neat feature. And number seven. Goodbye FLF license file format. And so um, apparently and there was this thread went on on Twitter, but apparently the FLS FLF license file format is going away. I believe um, I and my developer have already switched over to the new, I think it's BC license format, uh, the new file. And we have that running on, on my containers, our DevOps pipelines. So it seems to work fine now. Uh, there are probably some scenarios on older situations or on-prem nav or you know on-prem BC, I don't uh, containers maybe, uh, certain scenarios where you may still need the FLF license format. But I think they're working on resolving that and moving forward with Business Central 22. Uh, the FLF license format will be deprecated and dropped. A very interesting post by Nicholas Jackson about an invalid GUID that was generated within Business Central. And this is fascinating for two reasons. One, Business Central somehow generated this GUID that it itself does not consider valid. So he has um, he tried to use it, I believe, in a API call. So he took the, say, a GUID for an invoice. He tried to query that through the web API, and he got a response that it was an invalid GUID. And he's like, what? And so if you take this GUID up on the screen here and you check it on a uh, GUID validator, you may find, it depends on the validator, but I found one here, yomotherboard.com, GUID validator, that does a certain checksum validation. And sure enough, this uh, 23F7 EC1182F8 GUID from Business Central is not valid. 
Now, the very interesting thing I found is when I tried to understand how these GUIDs are generated, it's not just a random GUID. There are, there are multiple GUID formats, there are mul multiple GUID standards, and there are multiple ways that these formats can generate internal checksums, and those can be invalid. So it, it's a really messy landscape of GUIDs. I, I don't know which one BC uses, but it is obviously using one with a checksum, which is usually one of the inner three uh, four-character segments. And so if you run into this, I, I think it's fascinating. So invalid format of good string can happen apparently with a BC-generated GUID. Okay, what is number nine? BC Web API filtering. This is a very interesting conversation from Tin and uh, AJ Kaufman uh, contributed some answers on this. Uh, Tin found that currency code to filter sales invoices uh, generates an error. So you may see two behaviors. One is an error. The other is that the filtering just doesn't work. I'm pretty sure I've run into the scenario where the filtering doesn't work. I've tried to filter on certain fields, just nothing happened. It didn't filter at all. And so AJ said that certain filtering doesn't work, but you didn't get an error message previously. Previously, there was no error message, filter had no effect. In this case, the field currency code is a global text variable in the API page and not the field from the table. That's why it can't be used for filtering. So it's kind of frustrating because, you know, unless you dig into the page code and figure out which fields are variables, which fields are from tables, I wouldn't know which fields can be filtered, which fields can't. I guess the good news is now some of those will throw an error from the API and you'll at least know, hey, this is not supported as a filter field on the API. So that's an improvement. I'm not sure when that snuck in, but I've definitely run into a case where I've tried to filter the API and it did not work. So number 10, the Business Central MB800 exam. My understanding is that Business Central and Dynamics GP and other on-prem partners who focus on on-prem ERP are going to be required to have at least two certified individual, quote, employees who have taken the MB800 exam. Or if they're not focused on Business Central, you know, FNO or CE or whatever, they have to take a different exam. But for anyone related to GP or SL maybe, or NAV, or um, BC, you need to have two MB800 certified individuals related to your organization. And it is not a trivial undertaking. I have been kind of part-time studying with my colleagues, and some of these questions you're just like, what? And I've seen several people pass. Uh, uh, Christopher passed uh, as of July 2022. So um, some people, apparently it's not that hard. If I were to take that exam today, I guarantee I would fail just because I am much less familiar with the application functionality. There are all sorts of questions that start at, say, a purchase order, a purchase receipt transaction. 
but the answer requires knowledge of the underlying configuration of the purchasing module in Business Central. So you have to know which options are available on the purchasing configuration and setup page to know how that behavior affects the entry of a purchasing receipt. So pretty deep knowledge required, a lot of lingo and page specific and even action menu item specific knowledge required. Not my favorite test format because it's trying to trick you into knowing which button to click, which option wording is correct, um, but pretty typical kind of annoying question format in many respects. And the question, the exam prep guides that we're using often have the older wording from an older version of BC. They have not been updated. And my understanding is that as of, I believe, September 26th, 2022, a new version of the Business Central exam is being deployed that has been updated. What are the updates? I don't know. I don't know if that's menus, wording, features, or new questions, old questions. But yeah, so if you've been studying on the old exam prep guides, <laughs> good luck as of September 26. You may be surprised by many new questions. Okay, and some bonus rounds here, cyber. This is some cyber updates and tips. I did, I was going to do more involved stuff, but I kind of gave up after evaluating a couple. I made a list of all the business, all the kind of popular business password managers I could find because I need one for our organization. And there are a handful of major players, RoboForm, LastPass, Dashlane, 1Password, and Keeper. Those were the ones that seemed like the most popular, you know, good, popular, used ones for business. They specifically needed a business plan. And in our case, we're a small organization. Um, oh, I'm getting a, I saw a tweet from Eric Hogard. Apparently YouTube is down. So I am just going to plow through. And if I need to repost, I will. Uh, but I'm on Twitter and Twitch. Yes. Um, so uh, these are the popular ones. If you can get the Teams license, much more economical for, say, 10 users or less. I think LastPass is 50 users or less for the Teams. So very economical, honestly, for a business password manager. Really a much nicer uh, option than any other alternative for kind of storing passwords in SharePoint or OneNote or anything crazy like that. I highly recommend it. Pick one. Anyone. It doesn't matter. Any of these will be better than a non-password manager alternative, which I'll explain shortly. Um, the pros and cons, they're all very similar. I suspect your choice will come down to some very minor, subtle thing that you would not have expected. In my case, I use RoboForm Personal. They don't have a good option for me to have my personal vault and a business vault. So unfortunately, even though I like RoboForm, I probably won't choose RoboForm for our business password manager because then I, I could not use both. I'd have to merge all of my passwords into, say, a folder in the business license, or I would have to, you know, figure out some crazy juggling act and switch in the browser with two accounts. It would be a hassle. So for that unexpected reason, I will probably choose something else. And they all have pros and cons. They're, none of them are perfect. So just pick one, anyone. Next up, 
The reason why you want a business password manager and you do not want to store your passwords in any other mechanism is some example of browser risk. Do not use any browsers to store or default passwords. Do not use Chrome, Firefox. I don't care what they say in terms of how they store your passwords and how secure it is. This is an example. Cisco was hacked through an employee's personal Google account on his browser. He was using it for browser syncing. He had certain passwords stored in his browser. They compromised his Google account. They therefore had access to his stored passwords in his browser, and they were able to access the Cisco VPN. And even though Cisco VPN was using multi-factor authentication, they used MFA fatigue and social engineering to compromise that login, and they then reached into Cisco's network. So that one mistake of storing passwords in a browser led to many other compromises that led to a breach, granted a apparently somewhat limited breach of Cisco data. One mistake can cause a significant problem. Do not store your passwords in browsers, period. Related to that, MFA fatigue. This is something you're going to hear about more and more. Uber was breached due to MFA fatigue as well. Once again, it was MFA fatigue related to a VPN login. The attacker sent continuous push notifications through apparently a, an MFA product called Duo. And so this is in black here is from apparently the attacker. He spammed the employee with push notifications for over an hour and then he got a hold of the employee through WhatsApp somehow and did um, social engineering to claim he was from Uber IT and kept hammering him with those notifications, said he needs to accept the MFA prompt in order to stop those and that they needed to get in. And he accepted and added the attacker's device as an authorized VPN user. Crazy, right? But... There you go. Massive, massive Uber breach due to this MFA fatigue attack. So my understanding is that Microsoft Auth and Azure Auth MFA, I haven't yet found a way to turn off a push notification and require, say, a TOTP number entry. But at a minimum, you need to turn on Azure number matching for your MFA. Otherwise, it's just a generic accept um, deny prompt on your phone. If you accidentally hit that accept, the game is over. Okay. And so with that, I'm going to switch over to a phone call. So I hope that was helpful. I hope the QR codes and short URLs are helpful. Let me know. Give me some feedback. And that is 10 more things about Business Central. Enjoy. Talk to you later.